Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, you are listening to The Narrators. Today's story comes from comedian, writer, and producer Kate Strobel. This story was recorded live at Buntport Theatre, and the theme of the show was Spoiled. Hi. Hello. Hello. I am growing up. I don't think I was spoiled either monetarily or emotionally. Um, Like I don't I don't have a very I grew up poor, but I also don't have a very close relationship with either of my parents and my mom in particular, because she has just has a really hard time being emotional in any way, saying I love you. You know, her idea of love is like, hey, you're still alive, so <laughs> uh, did you want me to hug you? No, thank you. Get away. Um, and so we don't have a super close relationship, and it's been pretty hard most of my life. And, you know, I don't really know what to do about it. I can see why she's like this. Like, my grandma definitely instilled this in her. Uh, my grandma and grandfather were very poor, Irish, Catholic. Uh, factory workers, and my grandma was in a very abusive relationship with my grandfather and had five children that she did not want to have with a man that she did not love. And so when my mom was born and when my mom was a kid, my grandma could not tell her, I love you or I want you or I care about you. And my mom struggles with those same issues as well. You know, and my grandma just really didn't want my mom to repeat the life that she had, uh, you know, having five kids. And so when my mom started having children and married a man that uh, my grandma didn't approve of, my daddy's kind of dead, but that's okay. Uh, (laughs) uh, My grandma really, really stepped even further away from my mom. When my sister was born, uh, my, my grandma was so mad that she didn't go to the hospital and she didn't talk to my mom for three months because she really felt like she was seeing my mom repeat the life that she had, being married to not the best person, having kids. And my mom was actually the first in her entire family to go to college. So my grandma just wanted a completely different life for her. And, um, you know, when I was born, I actually came six years after my sister by some miracle of a faulty IUD. Uh, And when my mom got pregnant with me, she told my grandma and my grandma literally just was like, get rid of it. I don't know. This is not happening. Get rid of it, which honestly is kind of a 
cool stance for this, you know, very rigid Irish Catholic woman to take. I'm like, okay, Grandma. (laughs) You know, that's kind of (laughs) cool. I'm here. I'm grateful to be here. But if I weren't, I wouldn't be thinking about it either, you know? Um, So... uh, and I, I, I don't know, I've tried, like, my mom just, she doesn't, she has a really hard time being happy. She's kind of a bummer of a person. She has no self-esteem. You know, every time I bring, like, a partner over to my parents' house, so they meet her for the first time, they walk away like, that was pretty depressing. And I, I'm like, really? I was dissociated the whole time, so I didn't notice. Um, I was just staring at the floor. Thank you for doing all the talking. Um, <laughs> But my mom, I do, I have seen her happy in moments. She loves to dance and she loves music. Like I remember we'd be driving around town when I was a kid and if the talking heads burning down the house came on the radio, she would blast it as loud as the stereo would possibly go and just be like, watch out, you make it while you're out there, cool babies. And I'd just be in the passenger seat like, whoa, what is this song, and why do you love it so much? Cool babies, what? (laughs) Uh, But (laughs) then I became the kid that was like, when I got a car, just driving around, blasting stuff, driving around the high school parking lot. Everyone's like, what's that? I'm like, it's fucking Bowie, loser. Okay? (laughs) I always, I wanted to have my mom's appreciation for music, and I definitely, like, I love music because of her. So we have connected over that, and I have seen her get, she has this dance called The Four Corners, where she's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. She gets down. (laughs) I'm like, who are you? (laughs) Um, And she actually, she gave me all of her vinyl not too long ago, and that's been really cool because she has an amazing collection, and I've been going through it and just imagining as I'm playing it, like, like how how often did my mom listen to this record? Like how how did she feel about this band? How did she likes a lot of funk? I'm like imagining her doing the four corners. I'm like cool man, and that's been really cool. I, I've been trying to connect with her in this way, but um, you know aside from music, we haven't had the greatest connection. And I actually I wrote uh, in the old therapy uh, several years ago. I wrote her a letter that I never sent, but I'm just going to read to you now because I didn't write anything for this story and <laughs> have been freeballing it. Um, but I think this like really encapsulates our relationship and the struggle that we've had and like how music also binds us, but it's a little sad. So it's a, my therapist was like, write the letter. I was like, <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Dear mom, I think our relationship may be the deepest source of suffering for me. I am bound to you. I understand your longing, your love of music, your yearning for more than you've had in this life. It's hard to be around you because of how deeply I understand this. Becoming you is my greatest fear, and I told you so in the backseat of your car when I was 16 years old. I was in the backseat, and I said, your life sucks, you're a depressive bitch, and I hate you. So, um, (laughs) I have hurt you. I have said cruel things to you. I have distanced myself from you. You live with so much pain and you've never looked any of it in the face. You are the saddest person I have ever known, but I see your pain, I feel your pain. I am trying to learn to love myself in the broken fragments of yours. I feel your eternal love for me, but it is so painful to see you have none for yourself. We talk on a surface level. You are wounded by the slightest slight 
You throw things, you yell, you feel defeated in yourself, and it kills me. It kills me that you don't know joy. Joy for yourself, joy within yourself. I know that you take solace in music, on walks. I know you have your moments and your time, but I want you to live your life like it's still worth living, to find peace and happiness within. I love you, Mom. Okay, kind of a downer. <laughs> but that, that, is, that really encapsulates where we had been up until November of 2020, where the story takes a little bit of a positive turn, because I took this trip with my mom to Washington, D.C. in November of 2020 to meet my nephew. My brother and my sister-in-law had a baby, and it was still pandemic time. Like Everything in D.C. was shut down. So me and my mom stayed in this Airbnb for two weeks, just the two of us. The only place we could go was to my brother's place, take care of the baby, help them with, them, with some stuff, come back to the Airbnb. And at first I was like, God, this sucks. What are we going to talk about? This is the worst. You know, she was just complaining about everything. It was really negative space. But like slowly over the two weeks, we began to bond. And one night we got rip roaring drunk on some red wine. And I showed her Spotify. I was like, dude, you can literally play <laughs> any music you want. And whatever, you know, music mom came out. She was like, dude, what? Any music I want? <laughs> so we just kept drinking wine, bottle after bottle, dancing, having a good time. And then A Case of You by Joni Mitchell came on. And she started crying. And she told me, she said, you know, just, that's so sweet, isn't that so sweet, isn't this the sweetest song ever? Like, how amazing, how wonderful, how incredible would it be for someone to love you so much that they could drink a case of you? And in that moment, I just had this entire shift of perspective for my mom. And I was like, have you never been in love? Do you feel like you have never experienced love? And she was like once, but not with your father, I'm talking about my dad, um, and I guess there was this guy, John, that she dated in her 20s, and they, they had some sort of back and forth circumstance life, it didn't work out for whatever reason, and the two of them actually kind of reconciled in 2005, they just got together for lunch one day, and uh, both of them admitted to each other that they wish life had gone differently, that my mom didn't marry my dad, that John didn't marry his wife. She was telling me this whole story, and I was just like, I didn't know any of this. What the hell? And she was like, yeah, I would love, I would love to feel a real love. And I was like, everything, everything I have ever known about you, I, I didn't know this. You know, we've never talked about anything personal. I understand why your favorite show is Outlander and why you watch every Lifetime movie. Because <laughs> you're just so lonely and you want to feel this true, this real amazing thing. And it makes me so sad that your parents couldn't give you that and that you haven't really had any other support systems in your life to give you that either. And in that moment, I felt brave enough. I, had, I was super in love at this time. I had been dating someone for three months, but I hadn't told my mom about them yet. And I was really nervous to do so, but I was like, this is a great time. It's now or never. And I told my mom, I'm actually so in love right now, but I am in love with a woman for the first time in my life. I've been dating a woman. And I was really nervous to tell my mom that we don't have a close relationship. We don't know much about each other. You know, I didn't know anything about John. I didn't know anything about how she's never loved my dad. You know, we're really connecting. And I was terrified, and I wasn't sure what she was going to say about that wine and that Joni Mitchell. I was like, I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
<laughs> and all she said was, I don't care um, if you're happy. That makes me happy. I love you no matter what. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> Maybe one of three times I could, I could count on one hand how many times I can remember my mom telling me that she loves me, let alone to say I love you no matter what in this way. And that was a groundbreaking, life-changing, I feel so spoiled by that experience. Like, you know, not everybody has that coming out experience, but not everybody is able to kind of work through relationships like this either. I'm just happy my mom's still here when I'm at this age where I'm able to see things differently from her perspective and change how I feel and have a little bit more empathy and actually talk to each other, which is hard to do, but it helps. Um, but our relationship, it, it's only gotten better and better that Christmas. She got me a gift. She usually gets me very practical things like paper towels or laundry soap. Uh, and so I opened my Christmas gift. This, uh, this was December 2020, and it was a very weird thing. Um, I like started pulling it out of the bag, and it, there was a stick. Um, and then I kept pulling it, and then there was another stick, and then two more sticks. And it was, it was a doll, a doll with like twigs for arms and legs, just like kind of... Imagine this is a twig, though. Um, she's wearing, like, a doily for a dress. And she has, like, knotted, weird yarn hair. It's probably, like, this big. And her face is wooden, and it's, like, very intricately carved in. And she's like... And I was like, what is this? A voodoo doll? Like, what the hell are we working with here? And she was like, it's not a voodoo doll. It's a spirit doll. And I was like, what? And she was like, I saw it, and it reminded me of your spirit. If you look at it, if you look at her closely, her face, if you look at the way her stick, legs, and arms are, she's dancing, and she's relaxed, and she's going with the flow, and she's carefree, and she's having a great time. And she said, it reminded me of you. And it is the first time in my life my mom has ever given me a gift that was like emotional or had something behind it, some meaning behind it other than like, you're always gonna need to wipe your butt. Do that, here's some more toilet paper. <laughs> and I was shocked. I was like, I didn't know you thought I was free spirited. I didn't know you thought I was going with the, f I didn't know you knew me. I didn't know you had these feelings about me. You never told me any of these things. And, you know, we're, we're two years further down now, and we're really, really close today. And I just, I, I feel very spoiled, very grateful for the fact that that relationship has changed. Because when I wrote that in my notebook, this, like, our relationship is the greatest source of pain in my life. Like, I really felt that way. I felt like I couldn't fix it. I felt like it was larger than life. And I know every relationship is not repairable, but I just hope that, you know, maybe I'm practicing gratitude and all these things. Maybe there's something in your life that you felt stuck with or burdened by, and there is an opportunity for you to get spoiled by it, too, because it really does change your life. Thanks. Kate Strobel, y'all!
The Narrators is produced by me, Aaron Rollman, and Ron Doyle, with help from Karen Wachtel, Jesse Witten, Scott Carney, and Sydney Crane. Our music is by Gabby Gutierrez-Reed and Kevin Matthews. Special thanks go out to our sponsors, Buntport Theatre Company, Illegal Pete's, Buona Brands, and Great Divide Brewing Company. We will be back next week with a new episode. If you happen to be in Denver, please join us for one of our live shows, which take place on the third Wednesday of every month. For more information about the live show or even just past episodes of this podcast, you can click on the link in our show notes or you can visit our website, thenarrators.org. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.